0: Thanks, Ryan. Praise the Lord. I love the testimonies, don't we? So many good things that come out of that, and uh, such a variety of ways that the Lord knows how to uh, how to bless us all. So just as we uh, get started with, you, if you'd like, to just get started by opening to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24. The line that uh, Andrew put in at the end of his testimony there uh, is about: we have to put the Lord first in our life. There's lots of reasons for doing that. It's because, well, he deserves it that we would. But there's also all sorts of blessings that are involved in that. But also, the thing that we want to have a look uh, at today is there's, there's actually there's a judgment coming. And I suppose I've got a question about, uh, like, for all of us, we know what the answer comes from uh, the uh, the rest of the world. But uh, for all of us, do we actually do? Do we believe in judgment? Do we believe really and truly that there is a judgment coming and something that's actually going to be a a horrendous occasion for so many people? And do we have, I guess, the fear of that, the respect of that, the anticipation of that help to guide us in how we conduct our own lives? And at times the things that we need to correct, and we know that we've got our time of communion here today, And part of that the scriptures tell us about is is a time of examining ourselves and just sort of checking where we're at and so on. All I do know is I'm glad I don't live in Old Testament times because there'd be a fair chance that I wouldn't have got past being a teenager and probably that would have been the same for a number of you people here today as we'll have a look in the scriptures there. When we have a look at the world that we're in today, and we've been moaned that that, uh, people are not corrected, that there's all sorts of, uh, there's violence around the world, and there's all sorts of rebellion, and there's all sorts of disobedience to parents and to everybody else, that people can be unsafe in their own neighbourhood, some people can be unsafe in their own homes, and that's actually a terrible thing. Well, back in old Israel, they had a way of dealing with that. And we're just going to have a look at a, a couple of little sections here in, in Deuteronomy. And they wanted to put the evil away from amongst them. So it wasn't just a matter of one person in particular sort of thought, oh, I want to feel safe. There was something that was an obligation on households and on the whole community about, oh, look, judgment has to come. Now, from the Lord, it was a type of there is a judgment. There is a judgment. And the people who do certain things, well, you're not going to be judged righteous, that you're going to miss out on an eternity with the Lord. But the thought that came to my mind, and I guess it would be a thing for all of our community, if it was now like it was back in old Israel days about where judgment had to come and you had to be an executor of judgment in your community and in your own home on reflection what different things might we teach our children as they're growing up and what different things might our parents have taught us. What different things would the community try to impart upon the people that lived amongst them and says, you don't want to come to judgment because in our community, you can see what it looks like. Now, for all of us, there's a judgment that's coming and we can only, for the time being, try to imagine what it looks like. And the judgment is going to be There's going to be a separation from God. We know that in these days, there's not many people talk fire and brimstone. But that's actually part of the judgment. We're going to read a couple of things. The thought is today, if you had to pronounce sentence and execute the, the, the sentence itself, if you had to pronounce a judgment and execute the sentence and you actually had to do that in your own home, what would we do differently? Now, there's a lot of things in here that talk about training up our children in the way they should go. There's lots of things in the Scriptures there. And it was to prevent them coming to a judgment that was going to have to be imposed by you and the community. We know that there is a judgment day coming, and we know that you know, Jesus Christ himself is going to be uh, the judge. But the Scriptures also talk about the judgment will be given to the saints, that they'll actually be part of the whole dealing with this world and the things that are in it or the correction of it, working with Jesus to do those things. It's not a matter, though, of that people get held accountable because somebody else did something wrong. We're going to start reading here about where people... Are accountable ultimately for their own sin for their own missing the mark with the Lord they're accountable for their own rebellion they're accountable for their own missing finding salvation they're accountable for that Deuteronomy chapter 24 it is in verse 16 it tells us the fathers will not be put to death for the children Neither shall the children be put to death for their fathers. If your father's a rotter, it won't be held against you, as long as you do the right things. As says, every man should be put to death for his own sin. The problem with our society is the fathers don't teach the children about sin anymore. The society doesn't actually teach about sin. They don't think it's a real thing anymore. And so, therefore... They don't believe there's consequences. They don't believe there's a, a a judgment. As I said, there's no longer the fire and brimstone to fear. In Revelation twenty one, I'll just read this he who overcomes who who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to, Je- to Christ Jesus, Lord and Savior, will inherit good things. It talks about some particular things. And I'll be his God and he'll be my son. But as for the cowards and the unbelieving, and the abominable. In the Amplified, it is those who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality or any other sin, and murderers and sorcerers, they're thinking that's to do with intoxicating drugs and so on, and idolaters and occultists, those who practice and teach false religions, and all liars... Those who knowingly deceive and twist the truth, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. It says, which is the second death. Now, in most parts of our society, in most parts of Christendom, people don't talk about fire and brimstone anymore. They actually don't talk about there being a judgment. And so nobody seems to take those things seriously. So therefore, they don't have something that moderates what they do in their life. And we run into all sorts of difficulties about that. By contrast, we're told that the mouth of the righteous will speak wisdom and his tongue does talk of judgment. That's from Psalm 37. The people who actually know and understand about God, they actually do talk about judgment to come. And the scriptures say, you need to be saved from that judgment that is to come. And we're told that the law of God is in his heart. And none of his steps will slide. Whereas if the law of God is in his heart, that also means God's judgments are in his heart. God's judgment on things, the the, the threat of a judgment, the realisation but also the respect for the judgment that God's going to have are in a person's heart and that causes them to be guided in what they do and what they believe. We want to have a look back in the Old Testament about where judgment came upon people. And back in those days, it came from your community. It came from your community. So let's just go first off. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, I think it is. So this little section talks about if you find any man or woman that's doing some things that are incorrect. Now, there's a big emphasis on about serving other gods and worshipping them. Do you know that the fact is that if people aren't serving or worshipping the Lord, then they actually do have other gods in their life, other things that have higher priority in their life than God. So it actually applies to a whole heap of things. we we'll you just start reading here in verse uh, 2. we we'll gonna look at three sections through Deuteronomy. Just verse 2 through to verse 7 we'll read. If there be found any among you within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman. So I said, these are people that are in your community. There's uh, wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, the sun or the moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. It says, and if it be told thee, and thou hast heard it. If you know this is happening, and you have inquired diligently, and that actually be your responsibility to check up, is this really happening or not? And behold, if it be true... And the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel, then shalt thou bring forth. Is thou shalt bring forth. You've actually got to make a choice that there's some things that are not right and actually act upon those things. You shall bring forth that man or that woman which has committed that wicked thing under thy gates, even that man or that woman, and shall stone them with stones till they die. Wow. So don't do that again. It says, in the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death? At the mouth of one witness, he should not be put to death. It can't be that somebody just says, I'll get you. I'll make this claim about you and I'll get you in big trouble. It says, the hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death and after the hands of all the people. So so thou shalt put the evil uh, away from among you. Now this is a serious business. Because we found that when the community didn't exercise judgement, then ultimately God had to. Because when they didn't actually act upon this, then there were all sorts of things brought into their midst and it got worse and worse and worse, until ultimately, rather than individuals being brought to task for the things that they were doing and they were teaching, God actually dealt with thousands, and it was And he said, you want to see what judgment looks like? I'll give you a view of it. Now, if you were in that society and you had seen judgment come as you were growing up as a child, you'd seen that happen to people, you'd have it really, really clear in your mind, goodness me, you don't go and do that. You don't go and do that. Let's go to chapter 13. So I just want three little sections from here. <clears throat> now we might think Oh well if it be just a man or a woman There's just somebody else in the community Oh they've done the wrong thing Oh well, well it's their own fault It becomes more difficult than that In chapter 13 well, Actually it started more difficult than that In chapter 13 And we'll just start reading in, uh, in verse uh, 6 If your brother The son of thy mother was talking about a natural brother. This is as close as it can get to you. If your brother or your son or your daughter or the wife of uh, your bosom or your friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods. Let's not follow the Lord. Let's go and do and get involved with all these other practices it is a matter of if we're going to forsake that we're going to follow God, then there's other things that have become a greater priority in our life. So these then become your gods. It says, let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou or your fathers, namely the gods of the people that are round about you, nigh unto thee or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. Thou shalt not consent unto him or hearken unto him, neither shalt thine eye pity him. Wow. We're talking about the people that we would love the most. Not even to pity them. Neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. You don't hide it away and say, I know he's doing this. I'm not going to let anybody else know. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing that to do with this person that's close to me. Don't conceal him. But that shall surely kill him. Thine hand shall be the first upon him to put him to death and afterward the hand of all the people. And you think, wow, I'm glad I don't live in those times. I mean, with the mentality that we have here, we're not brought up with these ways. These people were. But there are important times where they had to think about Judgment. They actually had to think about God's righteousness and how good his righteousness is, but also how severe his righteousness is. So the hands of all the people, and thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he is sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, some people would challenge and say, oh, so he just wanted to have a variation in his religion. No, it was was, was more serious than that. He wanted you to miss out on your salvation is really what it was. He was going to have you to miss out on your salvation. And the Lord says, "That's that's the level of understanding I want you to have out of these things. It says, and all Israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is. Among you, some people within their families would have already experienced what it looks like when within a family you had to deal with one of your own. And then the question would be, when you became a a parent, what would you teach your children? It wouldn't be about... Oh, let's just have a lot of fun. You've got to learn important things. And the Lord wants us to be learning important things. Very important things, of course. Chapter 21, This is the third section. Oh, I'm so glad the Lord gives us a chance to correct ourselves. But... He wants us to know and to understand and to believe that there actually is a judgment day. This was the way the people understood it in those days. They said there is a judgment and we have to actually execute judgment or the Lord's going to execute it upon all of us. That was the understanding of the nation. And this one here, this is the one where I would have been under, under threat, I think. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, and just down in verse 18, <laughs> if a man have a stubborn and a rebellious son, is there anybody here who would have had trouble getting through their teenage years? Yeah, several people have put their hands up. The rest of you, yeah, 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 yeah. Still trying to hide and conceal it away. We know what you are like, because the Bible actually tells us about the heart of man is deceitful and wicked above all things we needed to have that heart changed we really did if a man had a stubborn and a rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father now I don't think he was talking about once okay oh you made a mistake today come with me oh it says not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and that when they have uh, chastened him he will not hearken to them Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, this is a physical act, and bring him out to the elders of his city and under the gates of his place. He knew what was happening. They were laying hands on. Mums were tough in those days as well. There would have been kicking and screaming and fight. He would have known what was going on by this stage. He would have seen it growing up. And they shall say to the elders of the city, "This, this our son." And this has to be one of the saddest things that a parent could do. This our son that we had hopes for, we had dreams of, we wanted to see grow up, we wanted to see him come to maturity, we wanted to see him have family as his own, bring grandchildren along, be uh, uh, somebody to be proud of in our community, perhaps grow up to be one of the elders of the city, somebody who's going to give good direction and wisdom to other people. I said, this, our son, our son, is stubborn and rebellious, He will not obey our voice. And he is a glutton and a drunkard. See, this isn't just a matter of just being naughty. This is saying, I'm going to go another way altogether. And it says, And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear I'm glad I don't live in those days. I'm glad that for my mistakes and for all of our mistakes, we've had a chance to stop and be corrected by the Lord. And the scriptures talk about, and we'll look about a couple of things about the chastening of the Lord, that it actually does us good. But we need it because it saves us from judgment. It saves us from that. But this world has tried to make us not believe that that's true, that that's really going to happen. The scriptures still talk there's a lake of fire and brimstone. There's a place of separation ultimately from God altogether. There's a place of ultimate disappointment. There's a place of ultimate hopelessness. And the message that comes from the scriptures is, we don't want you to end up there. And the scriptures actually tell us, Well, learn judgment now. Learn it for yourselves. And the responsibility is that we... It's not not just a matter through this that the parents are just told, oh, you just have to deal with your children. It's not just that. The message is actually to the children as they're growing up, you have to learn what's right and wrong. And you've got to take those things on yourself so that in your turn... You're ready to teach people right and proper things as well. As very important things. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 19. Do you know, in our society, you'll actually get from a lot of people I love my children too much to discipline them, and we think, "Oh no, are you in trouble? Are you in trouble?" I love them too much to discipline them. There's, there's, we're going to look at a couple of things here about if you don't deal with things early enough, you're going to be in trouble forever. And we look at where people that they, they rue the the opportunity that they missed to actually correct their children when they were younger. And just sort of thinking, oh, I just hope their behaviour improves. I hope their behaviour improves. I hope their behaviour improves. Their behaviour is not improving. Their behaviour is not improving. Their behaviour hasn't improved. Their behaviour. Their behaviour is terrible, and it's terrible, and I live in a horrible house. Now I hear stories of that so regularly about where parents live in a horrible house, and it's actually partly their own fault and it is also the fault of the whole community that we're a part of as we saw back in the old days the community taught judgment and our community doesn't very well out there we're hoping that we keep doing it in here though this community does it well Proverbs chapter 19 we're told in verse 18 now this isn't just talking about boys okay because it starts off in verse 18, it says, "Chasten thy son while there is hope." Okay, it's not just about boys, girls. Are you listening? It's not just about naughty boys. Okay, it's about chastening your children when there is hope. Uh, just uh, we only want verse 18 and 19, but then I want a little bit from the uh, the Amplified on things as well. "Chasten thy son while there is hope," it says, "and let not thy soul spare for his crying." Now, this is a thing that people sort of really, really struggle with. Oh, if I go and if I if I if I try to deal with them, if I try to discipline them, they cry, and I don't like it when they cry, and so on. But the problem is if you actually don't deal with the problem early, before the attitudes harden, they become a habit. They become the habit of the person's life. If things don't get dealt with, you will end up past hope. You'll end up too late to deal with it. And later on, a greater punishment will not achieve what a smaller one, when they're younger one, would have been effective in. Do we understand that? Later on, a greater punishment will not achieve what something done appropriately when they were younger would have been effective at. We're told here in verse 19, it says, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, for if thou deliver him, yet must thou must do it again. Now, the wording there in, 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 uh, for us is a little bit awkward. A man of great anger, right, of great wrath, should bear the penalty for his quick temper and lack of control. It should be addressed, is what it's saying. But then it goes on as says, but if you rescue him and do not let him learn the consequences of his actions, if you don't make people to understand, there's a judgment that goes with this. If you rescue him and don't let him learn from the consequences of his actions, you will only have to rescue him over and over again. There'll actually never be an end to the cycle. There will never be an end to the cycle. What an unhappy home that is. It's one of my favourite little quotes uh, uh, to do with some some things in my work and so on. From a man named Frederick uh, Douglass, I've quoted it before, as far as dealing with uh, children, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. It's easier to do that. If we rescue him... Now, this is talking about... Chasten your son. I believe this is really also for the whole church. When people come to the Lord, we try to teach people, in the Lord, do it right. Amen? In the Lord, do it right. There are things that need to be put away in our life. We can go through all of those. I might list a couple off just before I finish, but there's the things about the anger and the wrath and the self-centeredness and all sorts of things and the disobedience to parents and all sorts of things that the scriptures talk about. If we don't do the teaching is actually part of the, uh, uh, the, the complaint of the people who work as, as counselors in schools and in other places. They actually say, ah, oh, People don't moralise anymore. There's actually a whole heap of people who criticise, oh, you're just moralising. And they actually put that down as being a terrible thing. Well, moralising is actually trying to find a way to explain to people what's right and what's wrong, isn't it? What's wrong with such an approach? But this world will say, oh, you're moralising. Don't come moralising at me. It's because they don't want any morals. That's actually in the motivation. They don't want to do that. And the result of that is really, really unhappy homes, unhappy communities, and where it's got to a point where the community teaches the rest of the community. Oh, sorry, we don't do judgment anymore. And then the household teaches the rest of the household, we don't do judgment anymore. And then as the family, and let's still expand it in our minds about worldwide, the family of the church, oh, we don't do judgment anymore. And in that sense, they've become unscriptural. They've become unscriptural. Now, the key part of the things for us is that we have to correct ourselves. Just a couple of quotes. As far as the the times that we live in, there is a generation that curses their father and they don't bless their mother. Well, there's always been that in a generation, but it seems to be just sort of so common. We're told in Deuteronomy very early, even before all of these are spelt out to us, you have to consider in your heart that as a man wants to chasten his son, so the Lord God chastens thee. Consider that in your heart. And then afterwards, God had to spell out, I mean this. You're actually going to have to do this. You're going to have to take action. Proverbs 13 says that he who spares his rod hates his son, but if you love him, you do chasten him. We're not talking about beating them near death. We're not talking about... My mother's line of wanting to knock me into the middle of next week. Okay, that was that was judgment. I always thought that was amusing. Time travel, yeah, you know, sort of, along with with all those sorts of things. Proverbs twenty three: If you withhold correction from the child, it says, don't hold withhold correction. If you beat him with the rod, he won't die. He says, you'll beat him with the rod. And it's not talking about necessarily actually, you know, beating them and bruising them. And, you know, it's not talking about breaking limbs. It's not talking about those sorts of things. It's talking about give some appropriate correction. It says, and that can feel hard to do. That can feel hard to do. And all parents know that. You'll beat him with the rod. And you'll deliver his soul from hell. That's what it says. That's how serious it is. Now, as I said, in those old societies, they had a chance where people grew up seeing those things. They probably also saw some abuses. They saw where some things weren't applied in a correct way and so on. But the message is you'll save their life. Now... My emphasis today is not to say, oh, do a better job with your children. We're not talking about that particularly, even though the Scriptures are saying that. And from the start, we've got to do a good job with our children. If we don't do a good job with our children, we won't have good teenagers. If we don't do a good job then with our teenagers, we won't later on have good parents. They won't teach what they're supposed to teach in their own household, and then the cycle is in, and in our society, unfortunately, the cycle is in. Hebrews chapter 12. We need to get on to, well, what about us? I guess the story that comes through the scriptures is that our heart was so hard, we were really deserving of beating after beating after beating. And our rebellion was always only going to bring us to judgment, yeah? Our rebellion, our ways, our attitude, they were only going to bring us to a judgment in the end. But God's goodness saw it that he might change a heart so that we don't... We're not compelled to be like that over and over. And then we're told, with this new heart, oh, don't rebel against the opportunity goes with that. But in chapter twelve, just in verse, uh, just a couple of here, verse nine, it said, "Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. We actually didn't hate them for the uh, correction." Actually, I'm a, I'm a very strong believer, uh, uh, both in our homes and in the, the, the school where, the schools where I've worked and so on. The people actually, if I, if I talk from a, being a, a teacher's view, that the kids don't actually ultimately hold it against you if you act in the way that they expect a teacher to act. If you actually had to tell them off and you had to give them detention or you had to suspend them or you had to... Back in the old days, you had to cane them. We don't do that anymore. But in our homes, and we had to, you know, send them to their room or we had to take something away from them or we had to sort of sit them in the corner, we had to provide a quiet spot for them, we had to do whatever we had to do. And when people have grown up with that level of of direction the correction, that level of love, because people are trying to save you from a judgment. It says, we gave them reverence. When people have grown up and they've been treated in the right way, they give reverence. There's a lot of respect that goes with that. But it then says, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live, for they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure; it's not always pleasure. But He, for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. And then it says, "Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, and there's not a person here who hasn't been chastened by the Lord, because we all needed to be corrected in some way or other." And, some, and still do. It says none of it seems to be joyous. Sometimes we step out of line and we've done the wrong thing and oh, we've got a conscience now. And we can eat ourselves up, we can beat ourselves up. And somehow the Lord's just got this really good way of dealing with us. But then afterwards, He comes and He says, you can come out of your room now. Say sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Come and give us a hug, and it's all good again, yeah? And that's how parents deal with their children. is that the chastening doesn't seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, oh, and how good is this? It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. That is marvellous. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. You can go through and you can do a search and you will find probably a hundred or more of things that go along the line about the Lord himself. He loves righteousness and judgment. He loves judgment. It brings about right thinking. The scriptures tell us And they encourage us that judgment shall return unto righteousness. It means judgment will again be righteous. When we look at this world, there's not righteous judgment. We find it in Habakkuk. It talks about, uh, there's a question about, I see iniquity and I see grievance. There's spoiling and there's violence. And because of that, there's strife and there's contention. And it says, Because of all those things the law is slack, and judgment never goes forth, for the wicked compass about the righteous, and therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. The worst wrong judgment that there is is the people have come to believe that there's no judgment. Because that leaves them so vulnerable and it means that they're ripe only for that judgment the one that they're not really after. It goes almost poetic in the Psalms as well. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. The Lord looks around. I want people to look at me and I want them to think about it's about righteousness and it's about judgment and it's about all sorts of good ways. Acts chapter 17. Just a couple of things here just to, uh, to finish off for us today. Folks, we want to be believing the word of God. <clears throat> Do you know in the Old Testament it wasn't enough just that you were an Israelite. It wasn't enough even that you were a priest amongst the Israelites. It wasn't enough that you were a prophet amongst the Israelites or a king Amongst the Israelites. You still had to do what God said. And if you didn't do what God said, you were judged for it. And you were judged unworthy. For us, it's not enough that we come to a meeting every Sunday. That's not enough. It's not enough by itself that God's been good enough to fill us with his Holy Spirit, that he's given us a way of salvation. That's his goodness, that we have those things. And then he invites us, you come and grab all the benefits to go along with that. But he goes, but do it right. Back in the Old Testament, it was you of all the people of the earth have I known, and he said, therefore, I'll punish you for your sins. How much more do we know the Lord? There's a judgment coming. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 31, it tells us, He has appointed a day in the which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man who he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. Praise the Lord. We're told in Hebrews that this man, Jesus Christ, he was once offered to bear the sins of many. We leave out a couple of words. We just say Christ offered to bear the sins of many. Christ offered. You are worthy to be taken before the elders. You are worthy to be taken before your family. You are worthy to actually be put to death already. And Jesus said, I'm going to step in in your place. You've got another chance and I'm going to help you to do it right as well. That's an amazing thing that he's done for us. And we're told that he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. And that's why we remember him today he's a worthy king, he's a worthy high priest, he's a worthy prophet, he's a worthy brother, he's a worthy saviour. That he had a look at all of those situations and he said, I want to save you from all of that. You know, the scriptures talk about, in actually in a few places, you can look in in, in, in Corinthians and in Jude and Daniel and Revelation And it talks about as much as Jesus is the ultimate judge, it says the, the saints would judge the world. Now, part of the time that we've got here together while we're waiting for Jesus to appear is that we learn right judgment. We've got to first judge ourselves and compare ourselves, of course, to what God wants us to be. And when we ask him, he corrects us and he helps us with all of those things. Can you imagine the agony, when we look back in Deuteronomy, of the community, the agony of a parent, the agony of someone who's a brother or a, you know, a son dealing with somebody or whatever, and having to actually pronounce judgment? Jesus Christ... <clears throat> As it were, has taken all of those roles. He says, Oh, well now I'll, I'll be the judge. And he warns us and he alerts us and he says that I'll, oh, I'll sort out your life. Just lean on me with it. But as we're looking through these things, we just need to know that we have to take on responsibility within the church within our own homes and as we present ourselves at our community, when people turn around and say, oh, come along and do this, we have to actually say, no, I'm not going to do that. And we actually actually give them fair warning. Do you know, people who do that, they're only going to get judged for it. We need to walk in the spirit. We're told if we walk in the spirit, we won't uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'll just finish with a quote here. In Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 1, I'll just read it out. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment. Don't forget the judgment is going to come. There is a judgment on this world. And if we fall short of what the Lord wants us to be, with His help, nobody has to fall short. He says, keep it in your mind. There's a judgment to come. Fear the judgment that would come on this world. It says, keep your judgment and do justice. It says, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. And as soon as our eyes open and we see that, believe that all with his coming, there's going to be this great revelation that fills our mind and we'll be able to say, about the Lord's habitation, I can see the righteousness, I can see the judgment, and praise the Lord, you let me be a part of it. Amen.